2: Welcome ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages to the winner is coming Game of Thrones podcast, we're three white dudes, I mean take the black, and I'm here with Corey Smith and Corey phone, Isis is not with us tonight, she's sick, so it's just us guys talking tonight, and so, Go with it I guess, or not, you probably aren't listening anyway. Um, just guys being dudes. Dudes being dudes, guys talking guy stuff, so um... Let's get into the exciting news from this week. Um, a Winner's Coming article appeared on Good Morning America. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening tonight. We appreciate your, your, your patronage. No, um, we had some new footage from Game of Thrones Season 8 that was shown Sunday night ahead of the True Detective season finale. And, um, Smith, it's kind of exciting. Why don't you get into it and uh, tell us what – out of the three scenes, what was your favorite
3: scene? Um, well, I mean, let's... Uh, right off the bat, let's point out the fact that I was 100% right um, about what Arya was looking at in those photos from a couple weeks back, right? She had that deadpan stare on her. And, well, and I said, I think she's looking at the dragon. Everybody laughed, but your boy here is a prophet. And I don't...
0: I didn't
2: laugh. I laughed. That- who laughed at you?
3: Okay, laugh, mildly disagreed. You know, I'm maybe. I'm pretty even... sure that I vocally
4: agree that that's probably what she was looking at. What is this like, victim playing you're doing right I now?
2: Know. I, I think you're stealing ideas. Listen, man, we shit on
4: you all the time. <laughs> we don't need you to pretend play a victim. We legitimately bully you. Like, it is, <laughs> it's bad. And, you know, you don't have to make stuff up. People I don't have them.
3: to make stuff up about people attacking me. That's so
0: <laughs>
3: um, no, I mean, that was, that was for me. That was, the, I mean, we, we got the shot. Sorry to, uh, we went off on a tangent there. Um, w- you know, we got the shot of the Unsullied walking into Winterfell and drove them flying overhead. Um, but I definitely like the reaction shot the best out of the, the, I mean, how many new, it was like 10 or 15 seconds.
2: It was if
3: that maybe. Yeah, so I mean, out of out of the whole ten or fifteen seconds, I love the reaction shot um, because everybody around Arya is like running for their lives in terror of the dragon, um, sort of like um, that fireworks dragon in the Lord of the Rings that uh, <laughs> attacks the. Ding 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 ding! Boom! Uh, nailed that one. That was organic. Yeah. Um. Well, anyways. That was nice. But, it, yeah, but I mean, I, I just love how but everybody fair, else our is... Our
2: boy s- is growing up, man. Our little boy is growing up. Like, he right. organically went right into that Lord of the Rings re- reference. I'm so happy for him. Look at me go.
3: Um, but, yeah, I just love how everybody is running in terror, and Arya is just, like, sitting there with, uh, you know, she has that deadpan face at first, but then she gets that little grin on her face, and she, you know, clearly likes what she's seen. So that, that was my favorite part of it.
2: So, like, are we... Are we thinking Danny and Arya BFFs? I'm thinking so. Like Arya's already got a plan to get on top of one of those dragons, right? Like she wants to ride one of them, so she's already formulating a plan. Like who do I got to talk to to ride that one right there? that's, yeah. that's kind of that's what I'm thinking.
3: And I think you know, I think um, you know, we talk about how the Stark sisters, especially maybe Sansa. You know, we've seen the shots of how she might. We, you know, we kind of assume she might be initially kind of hostile to to Danny, but I think Arya initially is probably going to be a little more receptive to Danny. Um, but I think both Stark sisters have a lot in common with Danny, and I think eventually they'll hopefully all figure that out before they all die. Um, but I think Arya is going to really respect kind of Danny's is not necessarily a warrior in the typical sense, like, you know, physical combat herself. But she is a leader. But she is a leader, and she does go into battle, you know. Sure, it's atop a, you know, 50-foot dragon who breathes napalm. But she's, you know (laughs) what I mean, like, she doesn't sit behind her troops necessarily the entire time. So I think that's something that Arya is going to kind of gravitate towards. But I guess we'll see.
2: One of my favorite things, and Thone, you like callbacks. Uh, one of my favorite things um, that came out of this week was somebody linked her expression back to season two, I believe, when she was at Hall, And Tywin Lannister was at Hall and Tywin didn't know who she was. And he asked her about who were her favorite characters. I don't, I don't know how the conversation went, but she tells Tywin Lannister her favorite characters are Visenya and Rhaeny's Targaryen because they rode dragons. And uh so I linked that back, and I was like, that's a pretty neat callback, because as a kid, her heroes were the warrior queens, who were sister wives to Aegon the Conqueror, because they rode dragons, and one of them had a, 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 a Valyrian steel blade card called Dark Sister. And is kind of the dark sister of the Stark family, and here she is, you know, she's been through probably the longest, toughest journey, besides, you know, she... I mean, she got stabbed just like John did and miraculously and was miraculously healed just like John was. And um she came back from everything well, and hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted you to get a kick in there. I was giving with, you an opening. With
4: John we had like precedent that like people can be resurrected. With Arya, I guess in Bravo's like sepsis just isn't a thing. So we it's just you got stabbed like four times in the gut and then she drank some porridge and took a nap and was fine. So whatever.
2: <laughs> oh my god, it was penicillin. And she's fine. So uh, no, but no, it's it's a great little callback. Um I'm I'm sure you've watched the footage a couple of times though. What what stood out to you?
4: Uh you kind of just talked about all of the extra footage. So well,
2: the, three, yeah, well, the three scenes. You've got you've got the unsullied and the marching into Winterfell. And they're all they're all dressed warmly for the polar vortex that is that's happening in Westeros right now. You've got Arya, and then you got the dragon flying over the ranks of the uh, Unsullied. So basically, three new scenes. Wasn't uh, it a
4: little bit extended with with Sansa and Danny? Like we got was that the was that the first time? Because didn't in, in that one was that when Sansa was like you know Winterfell is yours or whatever?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: I think the extension of that scene was. Good, like, because there was a lot of talk of how, like, Sansa looked in the first trailer when there weren't any words spoken or anything. Um, in that one, it seemed a little bit more because John was standing right there with her, and you know, the unsullied, you could see what was happening behind Danny and John. And, you know, uh, I think it was definitely like Winterfell is yours, the same way that, like, Rob, I think we talked about this last time, that Rob said to Tyrion or that Ned said to, uh, King. Robert. Robert, yeah, like, um, you know, Winterfell is yours. The hospitality of Winterfell is yours. Like, that's, I think that's what it maybe meant. Um, I don't know. But that, I don't know. Just getting more actually talking footage was the part that I liked the most. I mean, you know, Arya, we already knew the, they didn't really show anything new. We already knew the Unsullied were going to be in Winterfell. We already knew that Arya was going to be seeing dragons at some point because she's, in winterfell and we saw yeah, we knew so that was going to
2: happen at one point for sure yeah but yeah, i mean, so just I mean like it happened on screen none of
4: it none of it was like some new groundbreaking
2: stuff you know but i guess uh, you know what i think i think we're so thirsty for some goddamn trailer or new footage that well we did a happened.
4: podcast last time on seven <laughs> pictures so i really did. We know
2: i don't know what Did it?
3: <laughs> well did it really was it, happen was it a podcast or <laughs> was it a fever dream in a nightmare But here, you know what the crazy thing is: every day that goes by now, I'm really starting to believe we may not get a trailer.
2: (laughs) And you know what? I'm kind of fine with that, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, I am too. 100. I oscillate in between. Like, there's a part of me where I'm like, I want a fucking trailer. I want to. I want like something to kind of really digest and pour over and and whatever. But then, yeah, there's another part of me that enjoys the fact that Benioff and Weiss. Could be like one of the first people to really be like, hell no, we're not doing that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because that's yeah, a power. The band is
4: strong. They right. don't need to sell us on the game. Nobody's going to see a trailer, the last trailer for season eight of Game of Thrones and go, oh, okay. maybe I should watch
2: this Game of Thrones show. Like, Or, yeah. or I'll pass. Nah, yeah, not, exactly. Like, not like, for me.
3: You I mean, could... you literally, they could get, you're right, they could get away with just these little clips or little, you know, promos like the, the Winterfell Crips one or whatever. You know what I mean? Where it's not really showing us anything. It's just them hyping it without giving anything away. I think they could really get away with that if they wanted to. And the longer we go, because now we're, now we're basically six weeks away, right?
2: Yeah, man, we are so, so close right now.
3: You know what I mean, and so at this point, normally we've already had one trailer, and then we get another one a couple, you know, about two or three weeks before the season, and we haven't had either. So it's I'm beginning to wonder if they if they actually are gonna ever release do, one.
2: Do either of you know what's what's the next show coming on HBO this Sunday? Is there is there a replacement for a uh, True Detective? I don't for six think weeks?
3: I don't think that they have anything because I like think they're right. doing like. I think they're doing like one-offs like they're doing like documentaries and
2: Oh
3: okay. I don't because I mean what show is 6 weeks?
2: Well, I was thinking Big Little Lies, you know, that's No, that's,
3: of- no that's in like June, I think is they it? said. Yeah, okay. it's after May. I know it's after Game of Thrones cuz I thought that the same thing initially that cuz that one's only like I think 7 or 8 episodes, but it looks like they're they're pushing that till after. I think they're so they're just-
2: going to have to they're going to have to fill time slots for 6 weeks. Right now the only two regular shows on Sunday nights are After True Detective have been crashing with P. Holmes one of my favorite comedians and uh, uh that other show uh the weed show what's it called? Uh I don't know. Weeds? The, the guy No, the, no, not Weed which was an excellent show by the way. Uh the, the the guy rides around New York on his bicycle and sells weed to people. I forget the name of it.
4: Anyway, uh um, no idea. I know Veep comes back at the end of March and I cannot
2: wait. I cannot fucking. Oh like no, Veep's
4: beep. so good,
2: man, and it's the last season. But man, it looks so good. The trailer for Veep was so hilarious, man. That it is... was.
4: But um, yeah, wow, I- you I- could I- just make a smash cut of insulting Jonah, and I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so on board with this show.
0: Man, you you know shaved
4: <laughs> Sasquatch. <laughs>
2: What were if I can remember right now, and I can't off the top of my head, all those names they called in when they were in front of Congress. I've never laughed so hard in my life. I stopped and rewound that scene about a hundred times.
4: There <laughs> is a YouTube video that's like a Jonah insult compilation, and I'll watch it every now and then and just Jack, like, and,
2: keep, jack yeah. and the ju- giant jack off. I don't remember something like yeah, that's <laughs> so
4: so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't think HBO has anything hour any hour long dramas. Coming. Yeah,
3: I'm looking now. It's like they got. um You know, doing the the Michael Jackson thing, and then they're doing that'll be fun. They're doing a couple the case against Adon Saeed. Adon Syed, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and I mean, it just looks like they're doing these little short kind of mini series. Does that
4: one about the the
3: lady Silicon Valley or whatever come come soon? No, it's the the Syed is looks like that's a that's what they have. It's. It's four. It's a four-week episode.
0: So, oh,
3: the Adnan Syed thing is. Yeah, so they have the Michael Jackson, and they have the four week of that, and so then... a limited
2: series type things, basically. Yeah. Doing. Well, it's like
3: a documentary. So, like, yeah. it's right. about
4: the first season of Serial, um, uh-huh. right? And I, from what I can tell, it looks like they're making a case that he should stay in jail.
2: <laughs> you never know, man. You never know. I mean, I, I
4: I got to see um, Ira Glass speak at the lead center here in Lawrence and uh, someone asked him about cereal. And he said, you know, it was wonderful storytelling and everything. Uh, the, but they asked him, like, do you think that he's is guilty? And he was like, honestly, if he's not guilty, he's the most unlucky person ever. Like to have your, all those things that they were able to use against him, his cell phone pinging here, you know, the car being loaned to a friend that also wasn't like just all those different things that like added up to his conviction, it Was like man, that'd be just a, a bad day if you didn't do it. And like I, you know, was kind of surprised to hear someone from NPR say that. But um, yeah, it was that was, wow. that was uh, it was really it was a great you know seminar and everything. But yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Or I'm not surprised, but I'm kind of um intrigued to see what HBO does because there's obviously been a lot more diving. You can into always the,
2: count on the HBO scenario. to like dig with the. With the good, the good, the good the details, they always bring up the good stuff. Like a documentary from HBO will always be really great. You kind of want them to do like something on the fire festival, right? Because you, <laughs> you already got, got 2 You already got two, but come on, HBO, kick in. I was surprised to see, and man, we are so way off the Game of Thrones topic here, but I really don't give a fuck. Um, I uh, I, was, I was surprised to see that even you know you're talking about cases that are you know. Unwinnable. Stephen Avery just got an appeal, like he just got his appeal approved, or something happened just recently for making a murderer. Like he's gonna get a new trial. So something happened in some appellate court, way up the one of the last the last appeals he had, and he's gonna be able to get a new thing. It's crazy, man.
4: I never actually watched that. Making a Murderer, yeah, and because I I don't know, it seemed I I didn't get, I didn't, I don't know what I was doing at the time, I was busy, and then in the fallout of it, like there's a, um, there's a a podcast on like how stuff works about that's by a lawyer that's like hey, so the Making a Murderer like, and of course there's all the controversy around the documentary about how they like, really did not portray the events as they went down, they didn't portray a lot of stuff honestly and that lawyer's podcast is about uh, Why Stephen Avery, you know, is being portrayed incorrectly by this "Making a Murderer" documentary and all that other stuff? So seems kind of controversial to me. Maybe I should. I
2: I love true crime podcasts and 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 documentaries, so I can get into all that stuff. But uh, let's get back on the Game of Thrones trail, Coysmith. We've got a little bit of spoiler news, right? So let's okay. let's let's reel it back in a little bit.
4: Um, reel it back in. I guess uh, we're we're really going to do this before we before we do this. I want to say, you know, we're going to talk about True Detective because we have nothing else to talk about
2: soon. Oh, we are definitely. There
4: is a there is a movement going on in the True Detective subreddit about it is they're they're probably going to make it illegal <laughs> in that sub to post or to use. Uh, information gained by looking at INDB cast listings per episode. Because <laughs> because that's how with both Westworld and True Detective that so many things were cracked by like episode two.
0: <laughs> so
4: if we're really and, and it's like cheat it's not like it's cheating. It's like not even like fun to just go and look. So are we gonna do this? Because if so I'll go to game okay. I'll go to the I'll go no, no. to the IMDb page and we'll talk well, about Well, this no, wasn't no. actually
2: IMDb. Yeah, this, yeah. Came, this came from a screen grab of somebody's cable provider or satellite provider looking at... No, the no, persons. no,
3: no, 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 no. This okay. came from hbo.com slash schedule. Ah, okay, like, that's
2: right.
3: Literally, you can go on their website, look up the schedule. That's how I was just looking up what was going to be on the schedule in between now and, and when Game of Thrones premieres. And you could see... I think if I remember correctly Before you say was... anything
2: else, this, this is the last spoiler warning you get if you don't yes. want to hear this this spoiler for season eight, especially episode one, turn back now. Okay Smith hit him with it.
3: Okay. So you used to be able to scroll ahead up to two months or something like that. I forget what the cutoff was, but you could scroll ahead and you could click on the thing and then you would get the cast listing for the thing. For the whatever episode you were wanting to look at, right? So, obviously, we had reached a point where you could look at the premiere episode. So, someone went on there, pulled the cast listing, and this is off HBO.com. This is not IMDb that is peer, you know, user edited. This is off their website, and it had the full cast list. Um, Since then, it has actually been removed from from HBO.com, lending credence to this being true. And also, it the schedule doesn't allow you to go that far forward anymore. As I was, ah, just,
4: I was say, I'm on it right now, and I can't go that far ahead.
3: Yeah, it doesn't let you go that far forward anymore. It used to be, I, I want to say it was at least two months or whatever point we got this spoiler. So it was, it was a
2: lot farther in advance. It was about, it was about two months. Yeah, yeah. There's somebody
4: so, right now, like skipping ahead in the podcast, trying to miss the spoiler, <laughs> and we just keep talking about how we found the spoiler, and they're just gonna hear it.
3: <laughs> well, we want to, you know, we gotta, you know, show it's a lot. The it's a lot of
4: runway. It's a, it's a lot of landing zone here for the, the spoiler.
3: Right. Anyway, so let's pull up the whole cast list. Okay, you got your normal Peter Dinklage, Kit Harington. Okay, no surprises there. But <laughs> you had a couple big surprises. One of them um, would be Christopher Hibju, um basically the the guys who play Tormund and Barric. Um, who we last saw kinda,
2: you kind of knew they were alive, but we, you kinda didn't know
3: right it was a question, and obviously the question still remains I mean we could see them, but they could be dead or they could die shortly after we see them, right so not necessarily the the biggest spoiler um but moving along, we had um Megan parkinson um who plays duh, 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 I can't think of her freaking name.
2: Megan Parkinson.
3: She plays, okay, she plays, uh, she played one of the, not the Umber, but the Carstark. Alice Carstark? Uh, yeah. Alice Carstark. So yeah, we yeah. saw them at the beginning of season seven when Sansa was basically saying execute him and Jon granted them clemency, right? But then the, the two biggest surprises, um, Carice Carice Van Hooten, who plays Melisandra, is on the list, so she will likely be in the premiere episode, um, which sort of a surprise, because we kind of thought she was going to pull uh Aragorn jumping off the ships in Return of the King.
2: Oh, sorry.
3: Right? Like, come in at the last minute, but, you know, obviously she's going to be in the premiere episode. Uh, but then two people we had not seen in a long time, uh, Tobias Menzies, who plays Edmure Tully, and and I'm going to butcher this name, but Lino Facioli, who plays Robin Aaron. Uh, little both, Lord Robin. Little Lord Robin are both listed as being as appearing in the premiere episode.
2: That's so, the big news right there. Those That's the big chops. Edmure Tully, right. the last time we saw him, uh, he was uh being marched up to uh river uh, river run by Jamie Lannister um mm-hmm. to free it from you know to get the, the blackfish to to let it go and then um the last time we saw Robin Aaron was in season 6 right when right.
3: when little um, finger gives him a bird and gets all the soldiers in the veil
2: I've seen uh the guy and I'm not going to attempt to butcher his name the guy who plays uh Robin Aaron on Instagram he's he's filled out a little bit he's much more mature than he was in see he's looking than he was in season six so either be- if he's gonna be on the show either they they're gonna age him up a little bit which that's okay because we haven't seen him in a while
0: right. right
2: um and the last time we saw him he was training to be a warrior even though he sucked really bad at it
0: right
2: and every time he swung his sword he was like eh! so uh he yeah, was
3: okay. i mean it, it was just kind of surprising to see both of them, because especially like Tobias uh, Menzies, he said he a couple times he didn't know if he was going to be in season eight, right? He almost,
2: and, well, he almost said he wasn't in season eight. I mean, like right. everything he said basically pointed to him not being in season eight,
3: right? But, so, but
2: that also that also makes you think because the exact wording he he used was used by, um, Mira Reed, the the uh, actress who plays uh, Mira Reed.
3: Ellie Kendrick, yeah. They Ellie both said, uh, basically, I don't know if I'm going to be in season eight. Like, they both kind of said pretty much the same thing. You're right. Um, so, and the other question when we when we got this list is, right, is a lot of series, the episode will list um, the cast for the entire season, right? Right, right. So, we didn't know, uh, at first, we weren't 100% sure was this for the whole season, in which case, none of these names are terribly surprising because we assumed they would show up some point as we wrap things up right but there was a couple names that were missing from the list uh most notably and here i go again butchering your name uh vladimir Ferdick, um who plays the the, he plays the night king so him not being in the premiere episode not that big of a shocker but obviously if you he, he'll, he'll be in this in the season at some point so that you know that kind of made us hone in on the fact that this is just a premiere episode, right? So because he wasn't on there, uh, Mark Reisman, who we know plays uh, Harry Strickland, which is the commander of the Golden Company, uh, yeah. he's not on there. I've, you mentioned Ellie Kendrick; she's not on there. So that that really kind of makes us believe that this is the premiere episode. And from the looks of it, we're gonna be meeting all kinds of people and jumping all over the place so
2: phone what do you how do you feel about not seeing the night king in the first episode of the the final season and we only have six episodes to really get into things going like i thought for sure you gotta show the night king in episode one like the threat is real right like now's the time to like stop pulling punches the white walkers are here they're across the wall why wouldn't you show them
4: I mean, just because we don't see the Night King doesn't mean we don't see the White Walkers. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think we will see them in some aspect. There's a lot of them walking south, so I don't know what...
2: <laughs> it's a caravan?
4: Yeah. Yes, it is. And they busted through the wall and are bringing <laughs> drugs and burritos.
2: <laughs> Walls humanitar- are
3: effective barriers. They stop everybody. It's, it's a humanitarian a, crisis.
4: It's what it is. So... Yeah, I, I there's a lot of them. I, I think we might see some footage possibly of, you know, like outpost communities, you know, not major, not around a castle, just kind of villages, maybe getting, you know, taken down by the White Walkers and stuff. We might see some stuff like that. I don't know. But it seems like the thing about the show, you really don't see them that much. If you think about it, like obviously their impact is huge
2: Yeah.
4: Like once or twice a season. And even though they're South now, you know, the, the whole, the, the threat of the white walkers is a looming kind of feeling almost for most of the people in the show. Most of them haven't seen them like we have and like John has and stuff. So I'm not surprised necessarily that we're not going to see them in the first episode. I think we'll definitely see them more in this season than any other, but, uh, th- you know, the, the human element of the show is what actually is the show. So I- I'm not surprised that they're going to be focusing on that, at least in episode one.
2: Well, I am kind of, uh, I don't know, I, ca- I kind of hope that we do see uh, some action in the first episode, at least at Castle Black. Like, uh, you know, Lord so Commander. Ben, Ed. ben
3: Crompton is on the list.
2: See there, you go, uh, he plays, Lord Commander he plays Ed. The Lord said, "Right." Yeah, so he's defending, and I we know from certain uh, from filming news and uh, from the big the big huge uh, slideshow that Dan wrote about all the things we know about season eight. We know that the Night's Watch filmed men from Night's Watch film scenes, um, so that could happen in episode one. You got to get Castle Black out of the way because once. The wall's broken and the White Walkers are marching south. There's really no use for the Night's Watch or the wall anymore. We did see pictures of Kit Harrington in Dubrovnik, uh, which stood in for King's Landing, um, walking up the battlements or walking up a uh, a ramp with two men in in dark cloaks, which made it seem like he was being escorted by the Night's Watch. Uh Smith, you remember those photos?
3: Yeah, and Cersei was in the photos too, and John did not have a weapon on. He didn't have long claw on.
2: Right, but he was dressed regally. He was he didn't look like he'd been put through the shit. So um Well I don't know, man. I, I think the fact that you know, when you look
3: at some of these smaller names on the list, uh like Ben Crompton and um the girl who plays Alice Karstark, right? All those places are north of Winterfell, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, Carhold is north of Winterfell. The Wall, obviously, north of Winterfell. So, I feel like episode one, we're just going to get...
2: So, was last hearth where the Umbers are.
3: Right. So, I feel like we're going to get... Um, And that kid was on the cast list as well. The, the guy who played whatever, uh, Ned Umber. It, yeah. Right. So, he was on the list. So, I feel like we're going to either we're either going to get actual footage of the White Walkers just smashing through all these places, right? Because we know that episode three is the Battle of Winterfell, right? So mm-hmm. we we got to get to the shit quick. So I feel like we're just going to get a bunch of shots of either either the White Walkers showing up at these places and Wrecking Shop, or these people have already fled to Winterfell because those places have already fallen, um, you know, by the time the season premieres. So, I, I mean, I think all those little names are kind of the, the little clues that hint at the direction of the episode. Well,
2: let's so, talk about, Go yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Bob.
3: I was going to say, you know,
4: we, from what I can tell, looking at the last episode from last season, Barrick and Tormund are alive and on top of the wall. With right. No way to get down. So they're going to walk down the wall to the next, you know, Castle Black. Castle or whatever. I'm assuming uh-huh. Castle Black. I know there's probably other castles in the book, but we're just going to assume it's Castle Black in the show. They're going to say, hey, the wall fell. The walkers are getting through, you know, and they're like, okay, well, I'm assuming they'll be like, well, let's go find John and let's go to Winterfell. And so the, the Night's Watch, whatever's left of them, is all going to head south. And we might get a. A preview of we might we might see the aftermath of walkers of whites or whatever like that's might, what I
3: mean yeah. yeah yeah come
4: upon like that's how we'll get that those scenes you're talking about Corey is the the Night's Watch heading toward Winterfell and seeing the waste laid after the the White Walkers that come through
2: and at this point there's like ten of them <laughs> there's yeah like there's 10, not many so. there's like ten guys left and as long as I get John telling Ed. I told you not to not not to knock the wall down while I was gone, and look what happened. As long as you get some kind of line like that, I'll be happy. Uh, but um, speak. the
3: other, you know, the the only other ones I want to mention real quick is Alfie Allen and Jim O'Wheelan are both on the the cast list, as well as uh, Paloo Asbeck. So the the whole Greyjoy clan is on screen in the premiere episode. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I think we're gonna to cut to them because. Last we saw, Yara was like the second or
2: third episode of season seven. Yeah, she was being dragged through King's, La- uh, King's Landing, wasn't she?
3: Yeah, yeah, on a chain by, by Euron. So yeah. we hadn't seen her for a while. So we're going to see her. We're going to see uh, Theon. And obviously he's basically, he's going to be the one story that I, that's going to be away from kind of the action in the north other than Cersei, right? He's going to be trying to chase down Euron before he picks up the Golden Company or on an, on Euron's way back with the Golden Company.
2: I have a feeling there's going to be an intercept of somehow, like they're coming back and Deon you know, attacks him on the way back or something.
3: Well, yeah, and I had a buddy mention that it makes a whole lot more sense if he could somehow catch Euron before he gets the Golden Company because the last thing you want to do is attack a dude after he army? picks up, yeah. <laughs> after he picks up an army, you know what yeah. I mean. You want to grab I, him before. So
4: I still maintain that the first major victims of the White Walkers will be the Golden Army. <laughs>
2: like, I've always, I've, kind, I kind I of think,
4: agree with you. I think that's it's literally going to gonna be like they're gonna. Where are they gonna want to land? They're gonna want to land make, make land north of Winterfell, right? So that way they can march south. And the Lannister forces and whoever is part of that can march north, and they can surround Winterfell. Because Bravos, if I understand the map correctly, is pretty far north, really.
3: So, right? Yeah, Bravos and Bravos and Winterfell are like north to south are pretty are virtually the same.
4: They're on the same latitude, basically, right? So, yes, he, smart word. Thank you. He will sell probably slightly north of that to make land, which is directly between Winterfell like the Winterfell and, and that's where the White Walkers are walking toward. Like in May Well
2: I, I can tell you the easiest way for, for the Ironborn to bring the Golden Company up into the north is to hit White Harbor and go up the knife. Like uh, the white knife like um Yara did when she tried to rescue Theon from uh from Ramsey Bolton. That one that one episode where the Ironborn attacked uh The Dreadfort. Mm -hmm. They went up a river from uh, White Harbor, Uh, so that's there's a there's a there's a way to get their their longships through the um I guess through the port and all and almost all the way up to the heart of the North if they take that river. So there's a way for them to get there fairly quickly, and then you go from the Dreadfort. You go from the Dreadfort north to Winterfell, and then you pretty much duke it out. But I agree. I think, I think Euron is cocky and arrogant. I think the pictures we saw of all those, those extra, those bodies, uh, they use for, uh, for, for dead bodies wearing, uh, Greyjoy armor. I think we're looking at, um, the Golden Company and the, and the Greyjoy, the Greyjoys under Euron dead from the White Walkers. So, uh, which also just gives the Night King a lot more ammunition to attack Winterfell with. Which kinda sucks. But, oh, the, uh,
3: the only other option is of course if Euron left uh, Yara in King's Landing and then Dion is going to King's Landing to try and break her out of there. Right? That's right. what so, I think
4: that's what I think has happened. I don't think Euron yeah. is in
3: is gonna be with Yara. Right. And that's definitely um, a possibility.
2: I mean, Euron's a sick fuck though, man. Like I can see him torching her on his boat the entire way. I don't know. Whatever.
3: Yeah. So, anyways, that was that was my last kind of what stood out as far as the cast cuz I mean, like you know, Tyrion being in the premiere episode isn't exactly a shocker.
2: Well, um so talking about the defense of Winterfell and how, you know, I I agree. I think a lot of the houses it's smart for Jon to bring all the houses to Winterfell. He knows that's where the Night King is going to hit. And that's a great place to make a stand. Right? So. We we, we got a, a tidbit of information. From Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Sophie Turner revealed that. Sansa is going to be wearing armor. Of some sort in season 8. And it's not going to be like. Jamie Lannister. Or Brienne heavy plate. And ornate armor. It's like. Jet. The words used to describe it is jet black leather and padded armor. So it's something you know that's protective, but something that she can move around in. Um, so we're gonna see Sansa like we've never seen her before. And if you remember in season seven, in the first episode of season seven, um, Liana Mormont stood up and told John that even the even the little girls at Bear Island were training to shoot bo- shoot bows and arrows, right? So um, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to see Sansa. You know, John comes back to uh, Winterfell and finds out that Sansa has been training with a bow. I mean, that's the very least she could do—is train to shoot a uh, an obsidian tip bow, right, to take out a White Walker or a white or fire tip bow, bow and arrow. So, or to have, you know, John made all those obsidian bladed daggers and swords. To give to his northern warriors, why not give one of those to Sansa, so she can use it to defend herself if she has to? I don't. I'm not saying that Sansa's going to be out in the front lines like Queen Elizabeth on on a white stallion trying to rally the troops and you know go to war, but I do think that we'll see her. <laughs> I don't know if we'll actually see her in action, but we'll we'll see her prepared for action. Thoughts?
3: I- I, I think in action is, is the wrong one. I think you, you'll you just see herself. Uh, I think you'll see her defend herself. Right?
2: Yeah, we talked about this kind of, didn't we? Like, yeah, we like phone. I don't know if you, if you're on board with this thing, with this thought process, but Smith and I kind of think that Winterfell is going to get overrun and it's going to be pretty much every, every start for themselves. Like everybody's going to be fighting in clusters and groups, and it's going to be chaos. And at some point, Sons is going to have to defend herself
3: are
4: you asking me do I agree with that
2: yeah but what do you think about that
4: yeah I mean I think I I definitely think Winterfell is going to get overran and I think it I wouldn't be surprised to you know if they give her some sort of obsidian weapon of some sort to just you know take this just in case you know and uh I think she'll probably. I don't think she'll be swinging a sword like crazy, but I would not be surprised to see her like save John or Arya or Danny or, or someone, Brand
2: or Brand, Bran, yeah, yeah. someone
4: like that. Like you know, um, trying to think of a good example. Yeah, okay. It's since we like to reference Lord of the Rings, when Sam sneaks up the tower and saves Frodo and stabs that. One, you know, orc in the back uh, that's about to to stab Frodo in the movie.
3: What you're and saying is she's not going to be Aowin.
4: No, not at all. She's not gonna. She's not gonna take down. You know, a a, a the ring Witch
3: ring. King.
4: Yeah, right. but uh, but she will. I do think she will have like a. we like, oh my God, Arya's is about to get stabbed. Her insert character is about to get taken down by this white, and then the white just goes bah! and dies. And behind him is like Sa- Sansa, and she's like yeah, let's go, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, cool, you know, because I think, right. you know, I think she's seen enough, I think old Sansa would have gotten really overwhelmed and, you know, not known what to do, and I think new Sansa that's, you know, grown and kind of learned her, learned her, her like, learned herself more, I guess is a way to put it. She, I think she's going to be a decent, like, person to have around, you know, if when the place gets overran. Because uh, I, a, I think she'll have a, back. I think she'll have a good head on her shoulders when that time comes. I guess I'm trying to say, and I think she'll probably save someone, and they'll be able to escape.
3: Well, and she also obviously commands kind of the respect of the northern lords. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and Winterfell is a big place. John can't lead the entire defense, you know, of the whole castle. So I mean, wherever she's going to be, she's going to be directing something. But yeah, I think eventually shit's going to hit the fan and she's going to have to defend herself or defend someone very near her um it, and yeah it's not going to be this long extended freaking combat sequence but it's going to be her at least be better the than sword. the sand
4: snakes
2: <laughs> still yeah. better than the sand snakes i saw one of our commenters on that article that we wrote said that they could see a scenario where um you know I guess, here we go, referencing Lord of the Rings again, but uh, during the Battle of Helm's Deep, where the women are protecting the children, right? In the back of the cave, the old men and the women. Like, Sansa, I could actually see Sansa being part of that group. Or we could even talk about Season 2's uh, Battle of the Blackwater, where Cersei, Cersei wore a, a breastplate in that in that scene, that episode, um, for protection. Um, so, yeah, I mean,
3: I, I think her wearing armor is just kind of Good sense, right? I mean, like when, once the Army of the Dead shows up, it's going to be gigantic. They're literally also going to have giants. Um, but like, so of course she's going to wear something. She's not going to wear a dress. Yeah,
2: that! Just take take that in for a second. If one one, God rest his beautiful soul, was able to to break through the 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 doors, the brand new doors of Winterfell. Imagine what three or four undead giants are going to do to winterfell my god have you even thought Uh, about that for a second holy shit
3: no yeah they're totally screwed everything we we have been able to like read between the lines is winterfell is going to be like empire strikes back right they're all fucked and it's
2: gonna (laughs) winterfell is off literally right
3: yeah exactly i mean they're just gonna get screwed um you know between the Viserion, the the Giants, the just the size of the Army of the Dead, the Nightwalkers being there as well. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be bad. So everybody wearing armor that has armor available to them makes a whole lot of sense.
2: Well, that, you know what? Unless, Smith, you've got some Game of Thrones news. Oh, you know what? We do have some Game of Thrones news that we haven't brought up yet
3: oh yeah the the biggest I can't believe we left this to last. I don't this know. This is the most we important
2: thinking. part and I, and I'll let you bring it in because you wrote the article, and honestly, I couldn't do it justice.
3: yeah, so um, you know hBO is really going all out for its marketing blitz uh for season eight. You know, they've got the what the donating uh, blood through the Red Cross campaign. Um, they've got the beer, they got the whiskey, the shoes. Um, but the, the biggest one of all, I think today is we found out they're going to have Game of Thrones themed, uh, Oreos. Fuck yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, that's, that's, I think the thing we always wanted, but never knew we wanted it. And, um, you know, those are supposed to come out sometime before the next season. And to Um, be clear,
2: to be clear, it's not. Like Iron Throne shaped cookies. It's just regular Oreo cookies in the Game of Thrones packaging, and I will buy every fucking one I see in the store.
3: I will have several packages available at, at uh, my watch parties, um, strewn about. Um, so yeah, it, it is. They did. They did take a little bit of a shortcut, and just they're just literally just repackaging the regular Oreos. But I'm still gonna buy those bitches. I'm still going to buy six or seven of them, and we're going to put them all around the house.
4: <laughs> Let me just tell you, because we're talking Oreos, the Mega Stuff Oreos are tops. I don't I know if you've tried them yet.
2: They, they are they are the tops. They are. They really are. They, yeah, are, the cats, they are the cats and the owl.
3: Yeah, the bee's knees. The uh, elephants and stuff. Have you tried the peanut butter chocolate sandwich? Get
2: you? the fuck out of here with that. No, they I, I are would try
3: fucking it. fucking great. I would they try it, are but great. As as we've
4: discussed before, my wife is deathly allergic to peanuts and all peanut related things, so that no would be No. No. Yeah, my Boran boys my, my, my all got married? Yeah, I did, like a dummy. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Really That's the problem long, is I mean cuz Oreo is big enough that they can make the peanut butter one separate and they do cuz they, they don't cross contaminate but the other foods like most chocolates are she just can't have cuz they're cross contaminated with peanuts cuz they make them all in the same facility
3: what So is it like really peanut butter Huh <laughs> uh, I, The the, cho- the one that I'm talking about it's a they're they're not just peanut butter Oreos right they're chocolate peanut butter pie or... Yeah, no,
4: I've seen them. It's got peanut in it, so therefore it is a no-go.
3: Well, I know. I just this, All this shit's created in a lab. I don't
1: Smith, know Smith, like, just literally let me That's questions. not true.
4: You know what's so funny? I get to talk about this a second time. But yes. when I saw Ira Glass, it's like three years ago, guys. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, I majored in journalism, and he was talking about doing radio journalism, and his first story he got to do as a feature was going to the, uh, I guess it was Hydrox, but same thing. Um, factory in wherever that's at, and he said, he had this really funny joke where he said, "You know, when you think about Oreos or Hydrox, or whatever, if you would have told me that that it starts as a chocolate paste that they form into a round thing and then it just hardens and becomes the cookie, I would have believed you." <laughs> <He> said, but <laughs> they actually they're cookies; they're baked. And he said the smell of that factory was incredible; oh. it just smelled like fresh chocolate cookies, and um. And I never thought about it before, but if you would have told me that they'd actually bake Oreos, I'd have been like, no, they don't. <laughs> it's definitely some sort of weird goo that comes in a, in a <laughs> That's canister. That's what I'm
3: saying. Like, it says yeah. chocolate peanut butter pie, but like, it, did they really like take peanuts and put it in there? Or did they just like squeeze it out of a, you know, <laughs> tube? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I do, but I'm. I'm pretty just sure looking for a loophole for you. There isn't. That's, a, that's
4: the unfortunate. There is no loophole. In fact, it's it's hers. Also, comes with the uh, the dust allergy as well. So, if she's like on a in, no in pets, a place, yeah, well, no, I mean like peanut dust. So like if oh, wow. someone on a plane opens a bag of peanuts and it gets into the ventilation system, like the dust from the bag, that can set her off. So, uh, it's it's pretty bad. Epi right. pins she- for days.
2: Wow. I feel bad for her, man. That's bad.
4: It does suck. You know, we went to the College World Series in Omaha, and the guy that was sitting on our seats beforehand had, had I don't know how many bags of peanuts, shelled peanuts, and he had just thrown everywhere, because, I mean, that's what you do. And
2: Literally the only thing you eat at the ballpark. Yeah, Hot so that was, we
4: peanuts. had to clean it up, you know, but. It's fine, you know. I mean, there's the worst parts of the things that she'll never get to experience. Obviously, peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter fluff, those things are great. But when you really start thinking about it, think about all the the steakhouses, think about all the Chinese restaurants, think about Five Guys. You know, um, stuff that she can never even have because they use peanut oil. Well, Five Guys has peanuts just sitting out on table. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And uh, I've Chinese been place Five you know, Guys once. Yeah, well five guys it's it's pretty good chain as far Road as Roadhouse
2: is the same way. Roadhouse Yeah, Texas well.
4: Roadhouse or Logan's or whatever. Um a lot of them are like that. The only steak, the only chain steakhouse that does not have penis there is Longhorn and they closed that one down here for some reason. So now if we want to get a shipball steak, you know, for twelve bucks, we gotta <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go somewhere like across all the way to another town. So we need you a gotta, western pay, we need a yeah. western sizzling, damn it. <laughs> Hey, How man, the hell I... did we get on this topic? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And I, I forgot, forgot my... we're on a podcast
3: there for a second. Is this I... actually a
1: Is podcast? Is it really?
3: Is or... it... Are we still recording?
2: Are we? I don't, I don't know. know. I... I... And see, I didn't even get to drop my joke about making fun of Smith and his confetti. Good <laughs> Like I didn't even get to say that. So oh, whatever.
3: those were great too.
2: Oh, get the fuck out of here.
3: I had oh those. God. I had the apple pie ones. The red velvet ones were actually pretty damn good.
2: Lemon, Every time I go to the
3: store, I'm, nah, lemon. No, you're know. wrong. Lemon Oreos are the best flavored Oreos. You're wrong. Um, oh, I kind you. of
2: agree with them. The lemon ones are quite delicious. Yeah.
0: Nah,
2: anyway, anyway, <laughs> we've talked about Game of Thrones tonight. We've talked about Oreos. What we haven't talked about is KFC, and I'm sorry. Shout out but- to KFC. Are the unof- we are the unofficial podcast of uh, KFC. They are they do not sponsor us in any way, even though we are so thirsty for their sponsorship that we tag them in every post. But still, shout out to KFC. Why don't you put some Oreos in your menu? And we might more people might come buy your uh, shitty food. All right, so um, God, we're trying to get sponsored. you I, jackass. Mean, <laughs> what's wrong with you? I mean, I had a- I
3: love KFC for the record. If anybody from KFC is listening. No. I,
2: I had KFC's KFC bowl the other day. I'm just saying. But anyway...
4: KFC, uh, because you gave up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it was closer than Zaxby's. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, my God. It was in the same parking lot as Kroger. Okay. What's uh, <laughs> us uh, Let's talk about, I'm not sure if there's any true Detective fans listening to this podcast tonight, if there's anybody listening to this podcast tonight, I'd be surprised, but Corey Phone and I, and Smith is welcome to join in your own conversation, but I'm not sure if you watched it or not. Corey Phone and I are going to talk about this, the True Detective Season 3 finale, and what we thought about it. Phone, I liked it, it was a refreshing take, I guess, the way they, they did the finale, how both, uh uh, Steven Dorff and uh, Mahashala these characters both saw themselves change over time. Thoughts?
4: I loved it. I loved the finale. There were some parts that they—I they, feel like they kind of botched a little bit. But um, the the backlash that was coming from the uh, you know the the True Detective community online and stuff was. Oh wait, have, Smith. Do you watch True Detective? But
3: you haven't seen no. the finale yet. Is that what you're saying? No, no. I'm just saying. I like if I want to watch it at some point. I don't want to spoil it with an in-depth discussion of every. It's not going to be that but... in
4: depth. First of all, this is take the black, not you know, <laughs> not a real podcast. This is a sick. It's a third-rate podcast. This is. Podcast, to be this is this we this don't is... even
2: have a chicken sponsor.
4: For Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right, and if you watch True Detective season three, you would know why that joke lands so well.
4: Yeah, can we get? <laughs> Take the Plague brought to you by Hoyt Foods. Hoyt Foods. <laughs> or, we're going to eat a bunch of people. <laughs>
2: oh, but, my God.
4: No, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I I a lot of people were complaining about multiple parts of, of, of the finale, particularly the way that the case was just solved in like five minutes by some exposition at a kitchen table, which I guess I get, but the big thing people are forgetting that they always forget, they've forgotten it. All three seasons. Uh, True Detective is never about the case. It's about the detectives. It's about the people that are affected by the case. And that's where season two really slipped up. That's why it didn't land the way that one and three did for me, is that it it became more about the criminals and less about the detectives to an extent. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff in season three that – really works on a on a, a long like when you look at C, episode one to episode eight or whatever um the the idea that like El, elisa the director was kind of a proxy for like us because she was trying to find the broader conspiracy trying to tie it into season one all that i mean granted she had a, a bigger role to play to an extent but you know at the same time people kept, whether it was the pumpkin lady or whether it was Eliza, whether it was the dolls, you know, whether it was us or the detectives in the show or both, they were applying importance to events or to items that they found and without having any evidence that they were in fact important. So things, very simple things like, um, you know, reactions that people had to questioning, like Harris James's reaction to being questioned in his office where he you know, say yeah, you have a, you have a good body, right? And everybody's like, oh, you know, what's this mean in implication of sexuality with Tom, maybe, and all that stuff to to big things like the the pose that Will was placed in, the dolls, things like that. They they did not have the significance that
2: everybody's we... theory was wrong.
4: Yeah, well, and that was the point, you know. And, and Hayes said that to the director in like episode five. He was like, you know, you're looking for evidence to support a conclusion you've already made. Uh That's not how police works, and that's not how evidence works. You find evidence, and then you build a conclusion based off what you know, and sometimes you learn to live with ambiguity. And that was what he told her, and she should have taken note because she's still going to be trying to find and and she's not going to know the truth. She's trying to find this broader story that exists with Julie Purcell in the Purcell case, and the fact is there isn't one. There was a cover up. There was definitely there was child trafficking. There was all, murder. All of that was involved, but it's very self contained, and it you know it it isn't the thing that fans thought it was or wanted it to be. Maybe they wanted another season one, and instead they got what was really a pretty cool character study about Mahershala Ali, and also we got the Stephen Dorff Renaissance. We had the McConaissance. Now it's time for the <laughs> because and, and he killed- shit. He crushed it
2: (laughs) okay let me ask you this man okay there was a there was a lot of there was a lot of theories going around that his rage at the bar during the finale and his connection to the the purcell father and the the comments from james was he gay or not
4: no i i thought he was at one point i thought he was a closeted man just like tom was but yeah uh, a that didn't ever we don't have any proof of that now we just have some things that you could you know like like I did, like take something and, and apply my own conclusion to it without having any more facts. Uh, yeah. And we also had Nick Pizzolato on on Instagram say he's not gay, that people were misinterpreting that scene.
2: So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, also, shout out to the University of Arkansas for getting uh, on True Detective season three. That was pretty nice. Yeah. I yeah. think I really liked
4: I really liked the season. It's uh, it's really good. I, I do agree that there were moments... There were a lot of kind of dangling plot lines that didn't fully get resolved, but that was kind of the point, maybe. Uh, I, I am interested, even though Pizzolatto has said on Instagram that that was Julie at the end. So it kind of killed my theory.
2: I w- see, okay, I thought maybe for a second it was a dream sequence. Like,
4: I didn't think it, it, was it was a dream. I just was like, okay, so... The way that he figured all that out about Mike Arduin and everything was the book. It was so circumstantial, the book dropping and falling open to the particular page. and And then His his wife
2: talking to him. His wife talking
4: to him, which, I mean, it's him talking to himself. He manifests that and, uh, you know, telling him there's more to the story. There's a happy ending. You should go find it. And then, you know, he goes and finds Mike. And, of course, Mike has a wife. And, um, you know, I thought. Roland never confirmed that no one else was around. That they were showing us what a dementia-ridden man was going to choose to believe in that moment to make himself feel better and move on with his life, um, and probably forget that he even had that moment. But then Nick was like, "Nope, that was her." I was like, "Fuck, Nick! Like, come on, man.
2: <laughs> Leave a, a little ambiguity." What's so bad is when when uh, when uh, what was dwarf's what was Stephen Dwarf's character's name? I forget his name. Roland. So when Roland and Hayes are walking out of the convent and they run into that little girl, my wife goes, that's Julie's daughter. And I was like, no, it's not. Stop it. She goes, no, I I, I, both said that. That looks exactly like Julie. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, it's too too much of a coincidence. I said, they're they're trying to play on our emotions. They're trying to make us have a big twist. It's not really her. Don't worry about it. No big deal. And and then (laughs) they show the whole thing. And I'm like, what? Okay. Okay, I don't mind having a happy ending because if you watched, if anybody watched True Detective Season 1, which most everybody did, what a god awful ending to a show. What a horrible, sick, disgusting ending. I mean, the bad guys lost, but it was really, really tragic and really, really dark. And they, you know, the fact that they connected Season 1 to Season 3, you know, the investigations, the Yellow King and all that stuff, with those, you know, connecting it to child smuggling rings and those dolls that were left around the cave. Uh, I was, I was like, this is gonna end really badly, and I'm really, I'm really nervous. I don't want to see something in the pink room that I really don't want to see. I, I don't know how I feel about this, but um, it turned out to be nothing, much ado about nothing. Uh, but I kind of like, I I like the fact that um, Hayes and Roland ended their story, basically with Roland moving in with Hayes, like they're gonna be like. It's the, the odd couple. The, yeah, the best ro- ro-
4: Roland and, and and Purple living together with a fuck ton of dogs like in their old age is the coolest. Like I love that. Oh, my God. Um, tell me,
2: are you scared for the, the, the random dog that showed up when he was crying on the fucking party? I did. Moment? I was like, is he going to snap um, that dog's neck? I was like, this is the fox. This is the fox from episode one. Turn away, Melissa, don't look. And I was like, oh, God, he's going to kill the dog. But
4: he did. Yeah, I... I, did, I mean, that seemed that was, I mean, there was some contrived stuff. The book falling open, the dog coming up to him when he was feeling sad, all that crap. Like, I mean, yeah, that's a little contrived. But also, season one had some incredibly contrived and forced things in it. Most notably, the why green ears, like moment in the last episode, when it's like they've had the green ear picture for 20 years. They've had the picture of that house that was painted green for 20 years. And then they were like, what? Well, Well, the green ears, you know, that house was green. And then they go and find a lady who's got a receipt for a house being painted from 1972 or the hell it was It's like, yeah, that's absurd. Like, that's not that wouldn't happen either. People overlook that in hindsight. But if you go back and find posts from Reddit or from Twitter after the finale of season one, even there were a lot of people really criticizing it because it kind of didn't end the way that the narrative was set up. At least one of them, probably the way the narrative was being told, one of them should have died, probably Rust. Uh, But if you really wanted to have a heartbreaking end, Rust living and Marty dying would have been Uh, really really bad. And then so I think the counter that season two pizza man killed everybody, like except for Annie. (laughs) And it was like and people complained rightfully so, because the end of season two was a huge bummer. (laughs) like not only did you kill del foro but also you're going to show me that the the email he sent his son didn't go through god you're a dick like you couldn't even let the email go through you know so um yeah but then so season three i think struck a pretty good balance of melancholy you know with the ending it's still sad because you know uh hayes retreats back into his mind again he can't help it and he goes back to you know nam and uh you know but at the same really, time really
2: really i mean it was artistic the artistic value of that ending with him going through his going through the pupil of his eye all the way through but
4: also valid criticism that's now inter- introduced a fifth timeline to the show so that was that was a lot <laughs> was i a don't lot. know why we got the scene of him dropping his daughter off at college that added nothing to the end of the show because the the scenes apparently according to instagram again there are scenes with the daughter cut out of the finale. There was a scene with the son cut out of the finale, where they really emphasize how good of a detective the son is. So it's like implied that he might figure out who Julie Purcell is. Well, Things like that that
0: were he
2: kept out. that piece of that piece of paper in his pocket, and it it kind you of know, the, And after this, we need to
4: wrap the shit up. But what I thought was going to happen, and I I I had convinced myself that this was going to be a very memento ending, where uh you know you find out that uh. The the guy had been hunting. He'd already killed the right guy a long time ago, and now he was hunting other people. I was convinced that at the end, um, whenever he handed his son that address, right, uh, Uh that the son would look at it and open a drawer and toss it into the drawer, and there would be that address written down on ten other paper, and like just letting us know that he keeps doing this. He keeps going, but that doesn't fit in with like the way that Roland responded to him showing up at his house and all that stuff. But still, I, that's kind of where I thought they might be going. And was like, "Jesus, going to be real bleak
2: if that." No, no, I, I prepared. Yeah, my my body was ready for the bleak ending. I was totally ready for it. But uh I don't know. I, can, can we also give a shout out to Mahashala for winning another, yet another Oscar while an Emmy performance in *True Detective*, which sadly neither him or Dorf will win because Game of Thrones is going to sweep the Emmys. So, I,
4: disagree. I think I think that especially Dorf is... Like, Ali might not win it just because he's already won two Oscars, so they're going to be like, hey, he's fine. But I think <laughs> I think Dorf, at this point, from what I've seen, is a front runner for that supporting actor Emmy in a drama because... He's
2: definitely got. They've definitely got to be nominated. Both of them, like, uh, oh, Ali yeah. be probably main, main actor in, our, in the drama series and lead actor in the drama series and then Dorf will be supporting. Plus... So the know game votes split votes amongst themselves anyway.
4: So. That's true.
2: They're the Bernie Sanders of uh, the Emmys, probably. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Alright, let's wrap this up.
2: So Okay, so let's, we've got some thoughts on the Oscars we'll get into with Isis, when she's feeling better. Um, hopefully she'll be on uh, in two weeks when we come back. Unless we get a trailer between now and then, and we'll have an emergency Take the Black podcast where we'll all jump in talk for two hours about the trailer so um for myself for Corey smith who is probably sleeping uh and for cory thug this has been take the black this is the
0: story of the one